I don't know about yourself. Like you just said, um, said earlier that you put on ten pounds when you travel. I'm the opposite. Not, not muscle. Actually, not muscle, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is the final call for me. The extra pack of peanuts travel podcast episode two hundred and sixty eight. If you visited one new beach in Australia every day, it would take you over 27 years to see them all. I guess I better get started. When we travel, we love to eat. That's no surprise. But we also love to try, and the keyword here is try, to stay in shape when we travel as well, to get outside, to exercise, and to stay fit. But there's one way that I will never, ever want to stay fit while I'm traveling, and that is by lugging around one or two 50-pound suitcases. I don't need the extra muscles that those give me. I definitely don't want to be lugging them around as we're traveling. No way, no how. I'll get out. I'll kayak. I'll hike. I'll bike. I'll do stuff like that. I will not lug around big, big suitcases. Instead, I want to make sure that I have just a carry-on-sized backpack No matter how long I go, whether it's a week, two weeks, a month, three months, whatever, I only want to carry on backpack. And if you're looking for the best carry-on travel backpack out there, check out TortugaBackpacks.com and especially check out their new Outbreaker series. I just used it on this last trip that I was on. It was absolutely incredible. I love their new Outbreaker backpack. So you can check that out, TortugaBackpacks.com. Don't forget to use the promo code EPOP, E-P-O-P, all capital letters, because that'll get you 10% off your entire order. Hello, travel nerds, and welcome to the Extra Pack of Peanuts Travel Podcast, the show that teaches you how to travel more while spending less. I'm your host, Travis Sherry, and joining me today is a nerd with a beard, a doctor without a PhD, and someone who has more than, what, one million and one CrossFit certifications, all of which I have no idea what they mean, Bill Kerr, founder of Adventure Fit Travel from AdventureFitTravel.com. Bill, thanks for joining me today, and welcome. Travis, hi. Thanks for having me, man. Yeah, I got you up first thing in the morning. It's 7 a.m. over there, right? Well, it is. 7 a.m. is probably not the, the earliest rising for some people, but for me this morning, it was. Uh, I was working a bit late last night, so for me this morning, it was, uh, it was early enough. Early <laughs> enough. Well, we'll keep it entertaining for you and for the guests. First things first, though, am I calling you Bill or Doc? Because I know both. Uh, call me Doc. All right, Call me Doc, Doc for sure. All right. I think it's pretty much... Pretty much my mom and, uh, and my old school teachers call me Bill. <laughs> All right, so Doc from now on, Doc without the PhD. And today we're going to cover a lot, guys. We're going to talk about how to blend travel and fitness in a way that works, i.e., not like what I just did in two months in New York where I put on 10 pounds, uh, how and why <laughs> you decided to start a travel tour company when others existed and what's different about the one that you, that you run, what people can do every day to stay fit while traveling that you know doesn't take a lot of time, stuff they can do. And of course, we're going to touch on a few of your biggest travel mishaps. But the first thing I got to ask is, you know, travel is a huge part of your life. Obviously, you, you've built a company now around this idea of travel and staying fit and things like that. But how did travel come about? Was it something you always did as a kid? Or is it 
something that you came to more later in life? No, it's uh, it's definitely not something that I did a lot as a kid. Uh, I used to go away camping and stuff with my family. I have uh, I have one little brother. And my mum and my dad used to take me away from time to time. We used to go on um, we used to go on domestic holidays inside of Australia. Um, so we went away a little bit, but I wasn't much of an overseas traveller. I think um, we did the typical um, typical family holiday to Bali when I was. Uh, when I was 15, I think we were actually, it was two weeks before the, um, Bali bombings and the Sari club. Um, so we were, we were just, just missed, uh, just missed that luckily. Um, but then I didn't really start traveling. Uh, I went, went in 2008 when I was 22, I think I went to Vanuatu with my girlfriend and met up with my family, but I hadn't really done any of my own traveling until I was 24 um, and that kind of came about because I bought uh, real estate when I was very young. So I bought, a, I bought my first house when I was 19 and then uh, renovated that, bought my second house when I was 21, renovated that. And then I purchased a block of land around that time, 22 years old or so. Basically, I was trying to build a real estate empire, you know, and I was reading up everything that I would do. I was just reading real estate mags in my spare time. All my time and effort would go into that, and that was fine, and it it enabled me to do some really good things, and it taught me some good lessons, but I had a year when I was 23 that uh, I'd rather forget that I was, I was kind of, I wasn't well, I, got, I was sick for a year, I had some problems with, uh, with my health, and I had to take some treatment, I'm 100% now, it's all good, but in the middle of that year that I had when I was 23, <clears throat> I had all this money, all this financial stress, all this equity, Sure, I had lots of money that imaginary money and figures and stuff that if I sold the houses and that's good, but everything was geared to me, uh, geared for me to be successful. And what I thought successful was was had lots of money in the bank and a, and a real estate empire. And then once I once I I had I was kind of put um, put up against it with uh, with my health. I thought there's got to be more than this. This is not what it's about, 100%. As soon as I, as soon as I get well, I'm out of here. That's what I thought. And that's where, um, that's where it started to come from. And then I Googled 100 places to see in your life or, or <laughs> world's greatest bucket list or something like that, you know, just a random Google search. Sure. And it took me to, um, it took me to a website called Hillman's 100. Um, Hillman's 100, I believe. And first kind of website I'd seen that was, and it was a real old school website that a guy named Howard Hill, uh, Hillman had put together. And he had a hundred, um, a hundred travel destinations. He, he claimed to have been all around the world. Basically, I've actually got it here. Okay. Uh, uh, the listeners might not be able to see it, but I've, I've got a. This is my travel journal here that I take everywhere, and I've actually got it in the back of my travel journal. There's a printable version that you can mark off, and I. I looked at uh, I looked at this and then I, I thought all right what's the the place with the highest density of the of the world's hundred greatest sites so to speak and it was South America and then I said to myself all right well I'm going to South America and then um, and then that's kind of when I started traveling so so that's all you needed really was a list like something to say all right this is going to give me a goal like whether you hit all hundred or not probably you know in your head you might thought I'm going to do it but probably doesn't matter it just got it kick started really. Yeah, that's it, 100%. I didn't really, um, I didn't really need anywhere in particular. I just needed a destination. I just needed to make a choice. 
um, the the travel was already done in my mind. It was just where, and I hadn't really, um, I wasn't I wasn't bad with geography, but I didn't really know traveling wise what the highlights of each continent were, what the highlights of each country. Nowadays, like you give me. You give me any country and I can tell you, you know, what you go and see. Or, I've only, I've been to 35 countries. I'm not saying I've covered the whole world, but I, I've, I've looked at going around the whole world. <laughs> I know where I want to go in Africa. I know where I want to go in the places I missed in South America. I know which are places I want to see in Europe, you know. So I started to just get a real, it just got me excited. So, yeah, so that's what happened. And then uh, in the meantime, in between my South America trip, I did a short Thailand trip with a buddy of mine. Um, and then I ended up doing a seven month trip in South America backpacking. And then it turned into six months cause I ran out of money as we all do, but, but uh, yeah, had the time in my life. So after that, it just, it just lit the fire and then I just decided, okay, somehow at some point I have to make this some part of my, uh, my life. So what was the feedback and the pushback, if there was any, from people? Like you, like you said, you did all this real estate stuff. So you were 19 and people were probably thinking, wow, this guy, like, what an overachiever. Look at what he's doing. This is amazing. You know, at 19, I hadn't even considered anything of what, what you were doing. What did people say then about the idea like, all right, well, I got to get away and I got to go do this and then start traveling? Were people really supportive, your friends, family? Or was it a little bit like, all right, let him do his thing for a little bit. He was sick. He had these health stuff. Then I'll come back and be quote unquote like stable again, you know? Yeah. Um, no, it was probably uh, it was probably all relatively supportive. I mean, the two people that you always listen to most, I suppose, are your mum and your dad. Um, and my mum definitely one hundred percent was behind it. She said, "Get out there, go see the world." Mum hasn't done that much traveling herself. Uh, she's done a little. My dad's the same. Um, my dad, I thought, would be a little bit different because he was the one that pushed me into real estate in a, in a good way. But he said, uh, I didn't know anything about real estate when I was 19, but he, he helped me save and he taught me about the market and then so on and so forth. And, and he helped me every step of the way to grow the real estate that I had. And then I kind of felt like I was letting him down by shooting off, but he seemed pretty supportive. So there was really no pushback. I mean, I don't have silly friends and family and I think you'd be silly to, to – push back if I'm trying to do that at that, at that time. So it was all good, really. Um, and then I tried to um, – I started to tell my friends about it and then I started to get some, some mates that were like, yeah, yeah, I could be keen on that. And, and then I was kind of at the time was really like, okay, I want to do this on my own. I felt like I want to do it, do it on my own. But, but then I thought, well, it would be great to have my best mates over there you know, and share it with people as well. So it ended up working out perfectly because I did six months and the first three months was – uh, the first three months was by myself. So I went from Mexico to – where did I end up? Mexico to Peru by myself and then caught up with two of my best, um, two of my best mates in, uh, in Peru and then one stayed for a month, one stayed for the last three months. So I did kind of half and half. I, I was able to go and test out myself and, and make new friends and then go and do – you know, see some amazing stuff with a couple of my best mates. So it worked out. Yeah, it worked out. Awesome. And obviously, the, the website you run, adventurefittravel.com. I mean, there you go. Three things, right? Adventure, fitness, and travel. Were When you first started traveling, were the adventure and the fitness part a component of that? Or is that something that you came about like later on to? Um, yeah, I always liked fitness. Uh, and I, I would always try and do things when I was overseas. So 
I don't know about yourself. Like you just said um, said earlier that you put on 10 pounds when you travel. I'm the opposite. Not, not muscle. Actually, not muscle, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can imagine. I'm the opposite though. See, I've got a super fast metabolism. I weigh about, well, at the moment I weigh about 87 kilograms, but I was probably about, I was a bit younger. I was about 83, pretty kind of athletic and, you know, and and took my health and, and the way I looked, I suppose, pretty seriously. Like, I wasn't a bodybuilder or, or anything like that, but I like to look good. You know, everybody does. But um, what happened was the South America trip, I lost 16 kilograms at one point. Jeez. <laughs> For anyone listening who doesn't know kilograms, like imagine 35 to almost 40 pounds <laughs> yeah. right there. Yeah. So, so half of that was half of that was just traveling and partying too much, not eating well, not exercising. And then half of that was actually really being properly unwell in Bolivia. I got this um, stomach bug that took me right down and, you know, so on and so forth. But, but the thing was, I always, you know, especially at this point in my life, when I was traveling, I like to do two things. I like to see the parts of the world that I want to see. I like to tick off all the boxes, but I also like to party. I don't do that. I don't so much anymore. I'm a bit older, but you know, I was 24 years old. That was a big part of it for me. I wanted to meet people. I wanted to go out and have fun. Um, and I just, I always kind of felt like I had bugs crawling up, up my skin when I didn't get any sort of fitness in, you know, I was kind of like, okay, I'm going and I'm doing this and I'm partying my face off, but have I really earned any of this? You know, you always, so it was kind of just, um, it was kind of just the whole adventure fit thing was kind of me just somewhat scratching my own itch. You know, I, I didn't know what was out there that was the same as what I had in my mind. And then, um, yeah, it was kind of, it just made sense to me, you know? With the fitness when you're traveling, is it more of a concerted effort of, okay, you know, I'm going to go here and I'm going to do these things? Or is it stuff that kind of comes up as you go? Like, do you, I guess, do you go to certain areas and say, all right, before I go, I know I'm going to do 10 days trekking and that's going to be, you know, the fitness part. Like, you're doing it while you do it. Or do you get there and say, all right, I know there's a cool gym over here, there's these activities, and then I'm going to go do it? Yeah, more, more the second, uh, more the second. So I, I, I suppose that. I would kind of, um, I would go to a place and I would, I would surf a lot of the time. So I'd be, I'd be relatively like, I'd be surf fit sometimes. I'd be paddle fit, um, but yeah, I'd just go to a gym and I'd go on some runs. And this is, this is um, early days. I just wanted to do something active that made me feel. It was more of a, it was more of a mental, um, it was more of a mental thing than really wanting to feel physically fitter because I wasn't really going to feel physically fitter. I just wasn't going to fall in a heap and right. you know, get really, really unfit. But um, it was more of a mental thing, I think. You know the endorphins you get when you're doing some training and you genuinely feel good about yourself. Well, I suppose when you're away from home, away from your family, meeting new people in a new environment, uh, sometimes you're really low on sleep, sometimes you've been partying too much, sometimes this and that. You, you know, it's it takes a little toll sometimes on you as much as the good the good side of everything you're going through, you're making friends and seeing the world, it still takes a, a mental toll a little bit. So I just like to feel good by giving, I don't know, giving back a little bit to myself so that I can um, be upbeat and then have a good mindset while I'm traveling, I suppose. Does yeah, that make sense? I, yeah, I think you came up with a good uh, a good thing you said earlier where you said, you know, you felt like you weren't earning it too. And I think there is something to that. You know, you go away and you're eating well and you're drinking and stuff like that. And it's it's cool, but there comes a point where you think, all right, I, 
A, I'm not feeling good because I'm not doing stuff, but I'm also like, I'm just letting myself go. And I think there's something to it where you say, I'm going to do this for me. I'm going to go out and run for me. Yeah, I know not going on one run is going to counteract like the 15 beers I drank last night, (laughs) but mentally you're like, I got out and did it. So it kind of gives you a little bit of stability. And it makes you kind of, at least me, appreciate more than when I go out and do stuff because I know I've at least done something for me that might not, it's enjoyable when I do it, but thinking about actually getting out and doing it might not be enjoyable. So you force yourself over that hump a little bit. Yeah, 100%. And I used to, all the time, like I remember so many, multiple occasions, I had people come up to me and I'd be, um, people would be like, oh, we're going to go get some beers, we're going to do this, we're going to go down the beach and watch the sunset. And I'd say, yeah, cool guys, I'm, I'm in for tonight 100%. Um, I'm just going to go out on this run. I'm just going to go to the gym quickly. I'm just going to get this done. And so many times people would say to me, hey, man, what do you want to do that for? You're on holiday. You don't need to go to the gym. And, and I'd say to them, yeah, but what do you like to do when you're on holiday? And they'd be like, what do you mean? I said, do you like to do things that you like when you're on holiday? Like, is that the idea? And they're like, yeah, kind of. I'm like, well, I like to go to the gym. And I'm on holiday, so I'm going to go to the gym. You know, I like doing it. It's not a, it's not a chore for me, you know? So, um, yeah, but I mean, that was it, really. That was kind of a, a bunch of... Um, a bunch of things came together that actually got me over the line to starting AdventureFit. But um, the whole idea came from, um, came from yeah, the, the whole very start of the idea came from me just scratching my own itch and, and uh, thinking of how I could combine two of my biggest passions, I suppose. Yeah, and I think one of the interesting things too is what you know, at least for people like you, you're traveling, you're traveling a long time. Us, because we travel all the time, we're like, oh yeah, well you're on vacation, it's cool, you're traveling, it's fine, you could do that. You know, as far as like eating and not exercising, I said, listen, if I did that, that's like eight or nine months out of the year for me, right? So like, that's not really gonna work. Or if you're on a six month trip, like that's not really gonna work. What What do you think for everyday stuff? Like you said, going to the gym, running. Is there anything you try to do every day when you're traveling? Like, like is it always, I'm going to go for a run or I'm going to go to the gym? Or is it kind of a combination of stuff? Uh, well, when, when we're actually on adventure travel trips these days and we train every day, we'll do a boot camp style workout or we'll go uh, visit a, a CrossFit gym or we'll do a weightlifting session. So that's, but that's, that's the adventure fit actual holidays. If, if myself though, um, if it's myself, then I try and – um, I try and what I'll do is I take a skipping rope away with me uh, because if you've got a skipping rope, then you don't really need anything else. You know, I can do 10 minutes of skipping, push ups, and, and air squats, and then I've got a really good workout in. You know, I've broken a sweat, um, I'm out in the sun, and I've, I've had a good time. It's and super easy. You know, then then I'll go, you know, I'll go and try and visit a gym in the area, maybe, no worries. But the big thing that I would probably say now nowadays and i haven't really implemented this apart from my adventure trips i haven't done a big long trip of my own in the last kind of 12 months um is i would meditate every day that's that's and that's not obviously physical fitness but that's mental fitness that's something that these days with starting adventure fit it obviously it's got i've grown the brand to a really good point but it hasn't been without its trials and tribulations 100 percent and and that's taken its toll on me, like stress-wise, you know. So I have to, I have to look after myself now. So every morning I wake up and I write a gratitude journal. So I write three things that I'm um, grateful for, which there's a million things that I'm grateful for, considering I live in, I live in Melbourne, Australia. Even just, you don't even, I don't spend more than a minute thinking about it because it's it's so easy. I'll, I'll use a couple of things that are really current in my life. And then I'll use maybe a couple of more broad things that, are, that I can use all the time about just being so 
lucky to be born in Melbourne and lucky to be able to travel the world. So many people don't have this opportunity because of their passport, the 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 country on the front of their passport, you know. So um, I write a gratitude journal and I meditate every day now, and um, and that's something that when I'm on adventure trips when I'm working and then on my own travels in the future that I'll definitely be incorporating every single day because. I think physical fitness is big, but mental fitness is even bigger. And uh, for me, just to be feeling really clear of mind and really happy and ready to go, and I don't know, it just puts you in a, it, it makes you, it enables you to have an even better time with your day, day to day. So traveling wise, it's, it's the same, you know? Yeah, well, I think also you mentioned just those two things that you're talking about. The one, okay, really quickly, you could bring a skipping rope, you do air squats, you do push ups. I mean, we're talking 10, 15 <laughs> minutes, right? Like, you have For 24 sure. hours, 10, 15 minutes, and you can feel good the rest of the day because you just did something. You, you took some intention, and I think it all comes down to that intentionality. You took some intention and said, I'm going to at least carve out a tiny bit of time to do something physical that's going to make me sweat, make my heart pump a little bit. Yeah, it's not going to burn a million calories. No big deal. And, and I think that just carries over to the mental fitness where, again, writing a gratitude journal, that could take you less than five minutes, but... You at least took some time out away from your phone, away from everyone else, away from this, just to set the intention for the day. 100%. And it's so easy. Like the two things that I do, I started getting um, I started getting some stress in my life and stuff. And my mom's a yoga teacher and she was trying to force me into starting yoga. And <laughs> no offense to all the yogis out there, I just can't get into it. I, can't, I cannot get into it at all. And it takes – and the other thing is – I'm quite busy, and when I'm not busy, I like to relax. And I know yoga is relaxing, but anyway, put it this way: yoga takes sixty to ninety minutes of your time, plus the travel to and from yoga. Myself, now I get such a good benefit out of. Literally, my gratitude journal is on my desk here. It takes me, you know, probably yeah, under five minutes to do that, and then ten minutes of meditating, and I do that inside of my house as soon as I wake up as well. It's fifteen minutes, and it's there's no setup, there's no travel, there's no cost. And it's just, it, it, you know, there's direct correlations to um, happiness from gratitude journaling, you know, because uh, it just reinforces that positive mindset at the start of the day and the whole day flows from there. So, so easy, so quick. And it's something that anyone can incorporate into their travel routine. If you can't find 15 minutes for yourself while you're traveling, then obviously everybody can. It's not even worth talking about. Yeah. Is there anything else from a physical standpoint that you would recommend the skipping rope you said, but is there like a few things if someone's like, all right, you're right. 10, 15 minutes a day. That's all I really want for right now. It's going to, it's got to be easy. It's got to be something I can do anywhere in the world, basically, um, whether at a hotel room or outside, you know, in a small area. Um, is there any other things that you do other than the skipping rope? Is there, is there stuff you could recommend for people? Um, not, not particularly. The, the, the one thing that I do like to do and some of the funnest times that I've had working out while I've been traveling have been with just whatever's in the area. So there's not something that I could recommend, like put this in bag and take it with you, but it's more have a look around and then see what, see what you can find. So, for example, I went on a, um, I went on a 10-day surf trip to the Mentawis in, uh, in Indonesia, which is one of the world's it's, – it's paradise on earth. It's literally the closest thing I've ever seen to paradise on earth. Um, just amazing – Picture perfect waves day after day after day. The food was epic. The beaches were palm trees and sandy, um, sandy white, sandy white, white sandy beaches. Um, and and um, and what I did there is, uh, and I was surfing every day, and I was so smoked every day. But there was a couple of days where we'd surf in the morning and in the afternoon it would be it would be it would um, blow out, so it would be flat. So 
I would. Um, I remember having a couple of workouts there where there was a big rock that I found, and I think that's all I used. But I would use the rock and put it over my head and do overhead walking lunges with a big rock, and then I'd throw the rock and go and pick it up again and do push-ups on the beach. And then I did this by myself. It was like a 20-minute workout um, one of the days that I was on my trip in the Mentalities, and it was literally one of the highlights of my training life. I just, I just was having so much fun. I just thought to myself, like looking around and thinking, look, look at where I am and what I'm doing. Like, is there anything just more amazing than this? So it's always good to use your environment. There's always trees. You can go hang off and do some pull-ups or go and find a rock and throw it around or go and, yeah, run in the, run in the water. Or, I don't know. I've never done that. It's a bit of a pain in the ass. But, yeah, just use, use your environment and, uh, and see what you can find, you know. Yeah, the only time I ever enjoy running is when I am in a different country, and usually it's when I'm running along a coast somewhere. And I'm like, well, this actually isn't so bad because it's a beautiful uh, background. When I'm like at home running around in the city, it's like, eh, not so much. So I'm with you, man. Yeah, that's right. 100%. Yeah. Let, let's talk about your tour company a little bit, Adventure Fit Travel. Why did you feel pulled to start one? Because obviously there's a lot of, and you know this even better than me, a lot of travel tour companies out there offering a lot of things. Was there something that you felt was missing or was it, and was it again something to scratch your own itch? How did it come about? Well, it came about, I had the idea because I saw a travel company that did, um, so I did, uh, I don't actually do CrossFit anymore. Um, I coached it for a little while. I did it for a few years. I'm a weightlifter now as in Olympic weightlifting. But when I was CrossFitting, I saw a, I saw a company that did something similar to what I do. They, um, they took, um, they took CrossFitters in the fitness community outside of, their countries and then i remember this particular trip i wanted to book onto it i paid a 250 dollars deposit in fact and it was a tour from buenos aires to santiago um stopping off and doing all these amazing different activities along the way i thought geez that sounds awesome and then you train you train every day and then there was also another company that um that was out there that used to do training trips so you'd go and you'd train with some of the highest level athletes in the world athletes and coaches so whether they're world champion weightlifters or Olympic gymnasts or health and nutrition specialists or anyone that you can really learn from, they'll do trips to go and to go and visit and learn from these guys. And then I saw that and I'm like, wow, that's so cool over there on the left and, and that's so awesome over there on the right. And I was like, geez, it would just be so cool if you could do the both of those. It's just so such a and then I thought to myself, Wow, I wonder if there's anyone out there that's actually doing that. So that was the kind of the catalyst. I thought, well, I'm just going to try and combine the two. But it, it was only an idea in my head for a long time. That was basically, that's my um, end goal, my dream that I was going to have. But then it didn't really become a reality until I got flown over to be a weightlifting coach at a fitness retreat in Bali. And um, I went over there and I saw how these guys worked. I saw that they, everybody had an amazing time, amazing time. But they looked so relaxed in how they did things. Which, which is cool. They did a good job with that. I know the back end now must have been a hell of a lot different. But, but also, there was a lot of things that I saw that I could improve upon. I, th- I thought, geez, these guys, everyone's had such a good time. And this is my idea. I'm like, this is nowhere near as good as my idea. And, and the execution is nowhere near as good as I could do it. Obviously, I'm not going to say that those guys were. They did, a, they, did a good, they did a good job. Their clients had fun, you know. But I thought, I can do better than this. And so that was one of the catalysts, that, the next catalyst that, that actually got me across the line. I came home and I was like, okay, well, I'm going to go for it. So the whole thing was I wanted to open a gym and take my gym members away on seasonal holidays once every three months. And then the gym wasn't working out because I'd sold my last um, property 
and then I didn't have as much money as I wanted to start the gym. So I thought, well, I've got this cool idea. Do I have to have gym members to sell it to or do I just sell it to the general public? And then I thought, well, I started up, I got a logo, I registered a business name, I started up a Facebook page and then I sold 10 tickets. I sold out my first trip with about 200 Facebook followers and one graphic design photo. <laughs> that that is talk about you know if we're going to get businessy here minimum viable right you have a logo yeah. you put up a free facebook page and you say who wants to go on a trip with me to wherever it was where was that first trip actually it was new zealand we okay. did the north and south islands of new zealand um we went cave exploring for two uh for we went cave exploring through Waitomo cave so there was cliff jumping and glow, uh, we saw glow worms and white water uh, blackwater rafting. Then we went and did um, Tongariro Alpine Circuit, which is one of the world's best day hikes. That's Mordor from Lord of the Rings for all the Lord of the Rings nerds out there. Um, I am one of them, uh, I must admit. And uh, then we went to Rotorua, like a thermal wonderland, um, geysers and uh, and volcanic pools. And we trained with a with a three time Olympian weightlifter, Richie Patterson, had a weightlifting seminar. And then we climbed glaciers in uh, in Queenstown and then had some free days in Queenstown. We skydived and trained with CrossFit Games athletes down there, all this cool stuff. So, yeah, it was awesome. New Zealand, I was out of New Zealand and Canada for me. It was the other two places that I wanted to start my adventure with holidays and uh, and it just happened that New Zealand is a two-hour flight from where I live and $300 and rather than Canada being on the legit other side of the world. So that's how it came to be that it was um, – there was New Zealand, not uh, not Canada for the first trip, yeah. What what does – so you kind of described a typical tour now, and you, you've expanded now. What, how do you decide what to do on a tour, and how do you decide where to go? I have a reasonable idea of places in the world that I can make a really fun adventure. So, And basically, I also have to be – I'm not on every trip anymore. I used to be, but – that was a big problem. It was like, oh, do I actually want to go there? But um, so I was kind of planning my holidays and just getting people to come along with me. Mind you, it was the I'd pick the coolest destination I could, and then say for example Japan, uh, and I thought this is kind of left the field. It's not often that people talk about wanting to go to Japan, but I knew for a fact that there was so much cool stuff to do in Japan. So I said, all right, I'm, I'm going to spend. You know, I'll pick a day. I'll take a day or two, and I'll start to really come over Japan and see what we can do and see what the price we can do it for as well. So that's a big thing. At the moment, our exposure, we only have a, we are, we only have a certain amount of, um, uh, of exposure in the marketplace. Our database is growing strong, but it's only, yay, big. So we have to also find places that are financially viable for us and for the client because the client want, at the moment, I feel like the client want seven days for 3000 or 2500 US dollars. You know, that's what they want. It doesn't really matter where in the world. So you've got to make it work for both parties. So um, I just pick a destination and then I just, um, yeah, I just, I just trawl through and find probably three destination highlights and then four or five activity highlights. And then I, I, I add the training to that and then I try and get the people really excited by getting a, a really high-level coach or athlete to come over and, um, and do a workshop over there as well. So we've got uh, we've got a Philippines trip going on in a week's to- uh, th- uh, three weeks time. My apologies. And we've got a world champion weightlifter, Dimitri Klockoff, who's uh, who's coming over as a coach on that trip. And um, yeah, that's kind of the idea. I I pick the destination. I build the coolest itinerary that I can. If sometimes I think the itinerary is not going to be good enough, then I don't that 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 destination gets pushed aside. But it's very rare that there's a country you can't build a pretty awesome trip from. I'm just trying to build the best of the best and I, and I 
yeah, it's, that's the fun part for me as well. You know, I get excited putting stuff together because I'm like, wow, I can, I can fit this in and then we can do this and it's going to blow their minds. This is going to be great. You know, I get, I, get, I get excited and yeah, that's how it all works on the back end, I suppose. Where do you find the people that then come over, the, the professionals, whether it be the world champion weightlifters, whether it be uh, coaches, stuff like that? Are those friends of yours, the people you reach out to, people that you know just from the business? How does that work? Uh, yeah, so that hasn't been um, hasn't been too difficult. So I, I have a lot of contacts that I've met throughout the journey. Um, I was a CrossFit coach at one point. Um, so I don't know, you kind of work your way up from people that put you in touch with other people and so on and so forth. Uh, I used to use the destinations as well to find the athletes. So we would go to New Zealand, for example. There's a, there's a ton of um, high-level athletes and coaches in New Zealand. So we'd, we'd go to them basically and and uh and that's not hard when you can go to them and you know they don't have to travel they don't have to get on a plane and stuff and it's it's pretty it's pretty easy but i suppose dimitri Clockoff is the coach in our uh, in our in our next trip coming up in the philippines and he's he's not the greatest weightlifter of all time but he's probably the, the number one weightlifter in the world as far as marketability and as far as uh, being well known so to have him, it's like kind of like having the Michael Jordan of weightlifting on the trip, which is epic for us. And he's an awesome guy. He came over to Bali with us, and he's he's a classic. But um, I suppose probably probably two years ago when when we had our first trip, it would have been pretty hard for me to get him on on board. But nowadays, it's pretty it's pretty easy. We have a we have a good um, our brand has grown really well. Um, we've partnered up with some really high level coaches and athletes in the past. I think when you can show history in anything you know we have a podcast um i mentioned to you to you earlier we have a podcast we record as well it's the same with that we're, we're 50 shows in six months in and when we used to send out the cold email to guests without any of our past shows you know you'd get one in 20 people would write back now we've got links to wim hoff and um and uh, rusty young author of marching powder like some we've got a we've got an awesome le- um, list of guests that they can click through the link they can see some of our history and see that we're legit, and then it's a lot easier to get those guests. It's the same with the coaches and athletes. You know, nowadays it's it's getting easier, and it's it's there's no one that we can't really get a conversation going with. It's just about whether we can make it work. And I think in the future, as we grow, it'll be very more and more beneficial for these guys to get on board with us as well, for exposure wise and financially, we can make it even better again for them. And you know, it's all it's all part of growing, I suppose. For sure. Now, how many? trips do you do a year like what is what will you do in 2016 and, and what does it look like like what are the goals for, for growth so the first first year we did um we did four trips uh the second year so we only had our two-year anniversary last month or or three weeks ago of our first trip year two this is this is by um this is not calendar years this is just from the date of the start the start the second year was six trips and then next year we're aiming for 16 trips, so it's it's quite a it's quite a jump. But um, I think it's ready to go there. I'm just um, I'm just making sure we've had a relatively slower end to the year because I've started with a new business coach. Um, I now have three assistants over in the Philippines that that work as VAs with me, and they're great. But one of the problems that we had was I. I just didn't have the systems in place, you know. Everything was working, but everything was a little all over the shop. And now we have really, really good online shared workspaces that we use, and really good. Um, we're we're tracking everything really well, and it's just it's getting a lot more. 
what's the word, systemized and businessized, I suppose. It's turning into a proper business rather than just a heckety-peckety bunch of, uh, bunch of tasks. So that was kind of the key for me to, to try and load up and grow. We needed to have everything in place to do that efficiently. Yeah, well, I think that's that's like most businesses, right? Or, or at least most businesses that, that people like you and I jump into. We're younger. Okay, we just want to do this. We want to make money from it. We want to figure out how to make it a lifestyle. That starts happening. And then a couple years in, you're like, whoa, wait a second. It's actually working. Now maybe I should become a little more official or make it yeah, business-sized yeah. or whatever we want to call it. <laughs> yeah. Because you're like, now I can actually grow it and I'm not going to be the only one doing it. Because before, it's cool if you're the only one doing it, but maybe you get burnt out. So I'm with you. It, it reaches different points where you're like, all right, let's take this a little more seriously because we know it works now type thing. Yeah, well, you have to really. I mean, otherwise, I'm just going around in circles and around in circles. And, and uh, yeah, so for me, it's been, it's been, it was me as a solo entrepreneur for a long time. And then it was working with one person, which was my, my first ever VA. He's been with me for a year now. And now it's working with my podcast partner, who's, uh, who's a, good, a good buddy of mine. I have a team of three VAs now. So mine, my original VA is now, he has to be like team leader. So now I have to kind of, I have to pass things to mine and set it up so other people can it's just, it's, it's the next level and then there'll be the next level again and I have to learn um, and grow because otherwise, I mean, at the end of the day, everyone underneath me can work really well but if I'm not working well and I'm not leading the, um, steering the ship well, then everything's probably going to fall down around me. So, uh, it's, it's been a very good learning process for me and, um, and something that I'm always motivated for and uh, always trying to better myself, you know, as an entrepreneur and as a person and as, um, as someone to deal with day to day. Yeah, I I couldn't agree more with the idea that yeah, you have to learn you have to learn your role as well because when it's only you doing it, you only have to rely on yourself. And then when other people are relying on to you, it's like, wait, I better be organized and structured and have some idea of what I'm doing so I can at least tell them what to do. And uh not easy to do, not as easy as it sounds, I guess. What with the trips you you mentioned you don't have to go or, or you don't go on all of them now. And, and with 16 trips planned, like that, that'd be quite a bit. How does that work? Do you, uh, do you have people then that uh, obviously Adventure Fit representatives that will, then will go on the trips if you're not going on them? Yeah. So I've just got a bunch of, a uh, bunch of good friends of mine. Mainly every, everybody's normally come on from being just a good, a good friend of mine, really. So, um, Wilbur, one of my friends, was the first two I see that I had. So he came over to New Zealand with me. And he, the deal is that at the moment is, and this will, this will change in time, but the deal is at the moment that our, we have a, a one I see, oh, the, the number one leader of the trip who will get paid. And then the two I see will get a free experience. So the original, the original plan was that the two I see would then become the one I see of that trip, or the number one, the leader, and then a new two I see would come along. So Every second trip, you'll get paid and you can move on to a new destination and, and, and do it. it it's, but that doesn't really work because of people's availabilities, um, destinations that we might not do. It, it just doesn't work like that in an ideal world, but that's fine. But at the moment, there, we have a, a trip leader and then a 2IC. Um, yeah, my staff is Will, Will who's one of, my, uh, one of my oldest mates. He was my first staff member. And then Dave, um, Dave got on board with me. We met over in Bali and uh, just hit it off. He was just a good guy. Dave's got a pretty healthy Instagram following, so that helps as well. He's got 75,000 Instagram followers or something like that. And then Jackie's the one. I've got a staff member, Jackie, from San Francisco, who's she's like a, she's a, um, a social influencer, basically, you would call it. She's a, she's a, a super pretty chick who 
uh, post workouts and nutritional tips on Instagram, and she's got very popular from that. She's got 250,000 Instagram followers or something. So Jackie's the only person I reached out to with Dave's help and was like, hey, you know, would you like to come on board? Um, now Jackie's a great friend of mine. And, uh, and then the, the newest two members of my um, staff is my little brother, who's um, my best mate in the world. And then uh, Mac Rundle, who just led our Everest Base Camp trip. Um, so we also do bucket list destinations from time to time that don't have the training, just in case you're thinking of how you add um, a daily workout into Everest Base Camp. You don't. So, you know, so, but, um, but Mac's just come back from Everest Base Camp and he actually, we met on our first Everest Base Camp trip, became great friends. And then uh, he's one of my closest buddies now. And then he just, just instantly, as soon as I met him and got to know him, I thought, this guy's, this guy's absolutely spot on for the role if you know if something comes up and then sure enough it did so now he works with me as well so uh, i can trust these guys um the, every trip that, that uh, goes ahead now it's a little bit more systemized so it's better for them and it's uh, more relaxed for me because i know everything's in order uh, we're still not perfect but we're just getting so much better every trip and and these guys i, I trust in my life you know this and uh so it's it's good yeah yeah, that is awesome. And and it's really it's cool when you can bring up people on board that you already trust and 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 have them be a part of your universe too. Um and and have them be friends who might not have had that chance had you not been able to bring them on to do the stuff that you do, which is really neat. Uh before I let you go, one last question, the question that we always ask everyone is, what is one of your biggest travel mishaps? What is something that maybe it was funny at the time, maybe it wasn't funny at all at the time, but now looking back, it makes for a good story. Well, how, how vulgar can I go here, yeah. Travis? Because I've got some... <laughs> you, can, you can tell whatever you some... want to tell. It's your story. Man, man that's a tough one. I, I, do have, I do have a certain experience in mind. There's a number of different stories that I could actually tell from this experience. But remember I told you I, I lost 16 kilograms when I was in South America? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so what happened was we, we, um, I was traveling through South America. I, I caught up. It was about four months in. I caught up with my buddies a month before this all went down. And uh, we had, I'd just come off the best two weeks of my life. I was in Mancora, Peru at um, Lockie Del Mar Hostel. I'm happy to shout those guys out. The best hostel I've ever been at. Um, with some of my best mates, made amazing friends, Christmas and New Year's. It was just, it was, it was the greatest, the greatest two weeks of my life, favorite hostel in the world. Um, and then we came from there, we went and did Machu Picchu, uh, did the Inca Trail, spent uh, a few weeks in Cusco and in Peru. And then from, so massive high, this has been the best month ever. And then I went into Bolivia and Bolivia, for some reason, something just, just didn't agree with me. And uh, I started eating the food over there. It was very cold and I'd been, my, Mind you, there was zero immune system in my body at the moment at, at this point in time. The immune system had packed up and left after the week, the month that I'd had. But I got really sick. So I got a, I got a stomach virus. And, um, and what happened was I was, um, I was throwing up uh, pretty consistently and, and pretty, pretty, pretty ill. And I had a doctor come over and I'd been studying a bit of Spanish, but it was really Spanglish. It was broken, broken Spanglish even. And uh, and doctor and I were trying to go through my symptoms and, and what I need to do. Anyway, he started pumping me full of five different types of antibiotics at the time. And, uh, but it wouldn't work. It wouldn't help me. So I, uh, I went through stages where I would come good for a couple of days and then I would go into the Amazon. I went into the Amazon for, for three days and then it would, it would kick in again and I would go back into La Paz, Bolivia and I would be, I would be sick again. I'd be sick. So there was a few things that happened throughout this, throughout this journey. One of them was 
I didn't know it was possible, but the hostel that I was staying in had the dingiest little toilet set up you'd ever seen. It was like in a little janitor's closet, basically. And the hand basin was right in front of your face when you're sitting on the toilet. And I got up in the middle of the day at one point because I was laying in bed and I was so sick. I got up in the middle of the day and I needed to run to the bathroom. You know, I needed, needed uh, number twos very quickly. So I ran over there. I sat on the toilet. I started, uh, started going on the toilet and then I realized, oh my God, I'm going to throw up. What do I do? I looked up and the basin was right there perfectly in front of me. So I, I don't know if anyone else has ever done this before. I genuinely hope that they haven't. But I started vomiting and throwing up at the same time in the, uh, in the, and I didn't make any mess. That was the first thing that happened. Then uh, a few days later, I had to create an adult diaper for myself and, uh, and wedge it in between my, my, um, my butt cheeks because my, uh, yeah, all right, I won't go any further into that. But the, the last thing that happened throughout this whole, throughout this whole, um, this whole ordeal, it nearly sent me home though. I did, it was, it was legit. It nearly, it nearly ended my travels. But, um, so when I said we went, uh, we went and did things in the time that I that I would come good. I thought I'd come, I'd come good and I was healthy again. And we went and we went and climbed a climbed a, a, a Bolivian mountain up to five thousand six hundred meters. So I don't know what that is in feet, but it was quite high and it was an awesome experience. Um, ice picks and crampons and and walking along this this um, crested ridge in the in the snow for for hours on end. It was amazing. One of the best best things I've ever done. But it was a whiteout that day, and I didn't put any sunscreen on. So I, um, I went home from this, and again, back onto a high. I'm thinking I'm feeling better. I've come back from the mountain, and then again, my stomach started playing up. I thought, oh, my God, not again. And then I looked in the mirror, and my whole face was bright reddish pink. And I thought, hang on a sec, what? There was not, not even any sun. And then I thought, you're an idiot. Like, you know, it, it's even worse in the snow when, it, when, uh, when you're not wearing any sunscreen because it reflects back on you. So at this point, I checked out of the hostel that I was staying in because I was vomiting and crapping my pants every hour of the day and my whole face began to peel. I looked like the red skull from Captain, um, Captain America. And this is, at this point, I checked into this, hostel, this hotel around the corner and I got a room to myself with my... With my buddy, I looked in the mirror and I literally thought to myself, "I don't know that I could get any lower than this. <laughs> this is, this is, this is it." Well, so um, that's pretty that low, it, man. Yeah. That's pretty low. <laughs> I, I I have one time in my life been going to the bathroom and throwing up at the same time, just like you. Although really? I, I was, I, but I was not in a hostel in another country. I was in Pennsylvania and I was in the bathroom <laughs> of a restaurant and I had just gotten oh. sick on this road trip. I don't know how. Anyway, I've been there, but I at least didn't have a peeling face. So, so far, <laughs> so I only had two of the three check marks. Um, that, that's pretty crazy, man. That's pretty crazy and that's pretty low, but that's what makes good stories, right? Um, in the long run. Well, yeah. And the, the, the good thing was I gave myself, uh, I gave myself, I said, I said, the only way that the antibiotics weren't working, I didn't know what I was going to do. I was thinking about going home and my mate convinced me to, um, to, to stay it out a little longer and um, we'd just leave, Brazil, uh, leave Bolivia and go to Brazil, you know, get in the sun, get on the, get on the coast and then uh, he went to go chase, uh, chase a chick to uh, a certain part of Brazil and I couldn't, I couldn't do that. I couldn't, couldn't go and see people and party and get, get around people. So I said, I'm just going to chill out on the beach and I went down to Brazil and I surfed every day uh, drank caprinias and uh, and and just got in the sun, and it literally fixed me within two or three days. 
I don't know. It was the. It was nothing against Bolivia. I love Bolivia, but something about me and Bolivia just don't mix. Yeah, you needed that Brazilian sunshine to to really make it work. Well, that's awesome, Bill. Or excuse me, Doc. That's awesome. Um, <laughs> I, I want to know. Last last thing we need to know from you. You kind of touched on it. What's in the pipeline for you and for Adventure Travel Fit? Adventure Fit Travel. Adventure but, uh, Fit Travel. Yes. <laughs> but um. Uh, at the moment, we're just uh, gearing up for a big year next year. We've got uh, our podcast is growing really well, so that's Adventure Bit Radio. We've had some epic guests on, and uh, really enjoying that. So, um, yeah, we're just trying to build on uh, build on the trips that we're adding to our calendar, and uh, and just have a real real good time interviewing um, new and awesome guests from all around the world. So, if anyone wants to check it out, then we are, we are www.adventurebittravel.com. Um, podcast is Adventure Bit Radio on iTunes and Stitcher. And uh, and I am, I am on social medias, but don't worry about me. <laughs> okay, don't worry about him. It is linked up on <laughs> on your website, so you can find it that way. You can also see all the team members that Doc was talking about too. I read through some of those bios, so go do that. Um, don't forget, guys. We will link everything up in the show notes as well. So anything we talked about that you're listening to, you can go to extrapackofpeanuts.com slash pods, P-O-D-S, get the show notes for this or all other 250 plus episodes. Anything that you want to listen to or, or read can be found there. Doc, just want to say one more time, thanks so much for coming on. All right, it's been a pleasure. I had a ball. Awesome. Guys, don't forget as well, if you're looking uh, to do some more traveling, you're looking for a good travel backpack, head to tortugabackpacks.com. You can use the promo code EPOP, E-P-O-P, all capital letters. That'll get you 10% off your entire order. You can follow our travels at Inst- on Instagram or Twitter at Pack of Peanuts. Thank you guys for tuning in today and for the continued support that keeps us as the number one ready to travel podcast on iTunes. We appreciate it. And until next time, happy free travels. I'll